What do you do when someone's offended you? Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths about forgiveness. Listen to Colossians 3, 12 through 13. If anyone has a complaint against another, listen, here's a punchline. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do well. I am to forgive in the same proportion as God has forgiven me, because no one will ever sin against me as much as I have sinned or will sin against God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What do you do when your enemy is delivered into your lap? The world says revenge is the answer, but God paints a different picture. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us to the book of Genesis for an incredible story of grace and forgiveness and a message that can definitely be put into practice today. Let's listen. Genesis chapter 42 we're going to be looking at verse 1 through 38, and the message entitled, Hungry but Guilty. The seven years of plenty have been fulfilled, and now the seven years of famine have begun. But Egypt had plenty of surplus due to the prophetic warnings of God. And so Jacob decides to seek relief from the famine by sending his sons to buy grain in Egypt. Notice Jacob noted the reluctance of his sons to do nothing because they knew Egypt was the place where the Ishmaelites were going when they sold Joseph as a slave. And they're thinking, what if we run into him? The sons of Jacob were sent to Egypt by God, listen, to face their sin. To face their sin. Now notice verse 5 through 24. The sons of Jacob met with the governor of Egypt, which was no less than Joseph. <laughs> Joseph was the absolute authority over the land and the one who sold the grain to the people. And they bowed down before him with their faces to the earth in verse 6. Their worst fear had come upon them. Listen, is this irony? And they didn't even know it. <laughs> in verse 7, Joseph, recognizing his brothers, he dealt with them as the other foreigners and spoke roughly to them. Has Joseph taken vengeance? Nope. We're going to see this very clear. He wanted to seek out their honesty if their evil hearts had changed. Testing. Then he said to them, where do you come from? Joseph's brothers responded honestly. And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. A long time has passed, and he looks just like an Egyptian. And so the indictment by the governor comes in verse 9 through 14. In verse 9, the dreams Joseph had about his brothers 22 to 23 years ago were recalled to his mind, and he accused them. This is a partial fulfillment of the two dreams. In Genesis 37, 7, his brothers, uh, she's bowed down to them. You are spies seeking for a weak area of defense in the land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. And then they give their family relationship. We are all one man's sons and, and, and we're honest men. And I beg your pardon? So the indispensable proof of their innocence 
comes in verse 15 through 20. In this manner, you shall be tested, Joseph says. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not leave this place unless your youngest brother come here. There was a security to be kept till the evidence was presented. Verse 16, the stipulation, send one of you and let him bring your brother and you shall be kept in prison. The goal, that your words may be tested to see whether that may be true in you, truth in you, not that you speak it, but in you. Joseph allowed them to reflect on their guilt and crime. So he put them all together in prison. Can you imagine that? They've been keeping this thing for 22, 23 years from their dad. They've been traveling for three weeks, 260 miles, thinking, what the heck? What if we bump into him? What if we see him? And they didn't ever think that he would be ruler. Now that he's been turned up and he puts them in and all this heat, what do you think happens? We're all together in one room (laughs) for three days. Three days is a long time when you're guilty in the same room, 10 of you. Hmm. Perhaps for the possible three years he spent in prison being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Very possible. And so the conditions requested of his brothers were modified in verse 18 through 20 now. The reason for the change in verse 18, then Joseph said to them the third day, do this and live, for I fear God. He uses the word Elohim, the creator God, not Yahweh. That would give him away. The mission of Joseph was to preserve life, we are told over and over again. Genesis 45, 7, 47, 25, and 50, verse 20. God has sent him to preserve life. Here's the new condition. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house. But you, go and carry grain for the famine for your, your house, in verse 19. Without doubt, he realized that only one person would not be sufficient to carry everything back. The required evidence remains the same, though. Look at verse 20. And bring your youngest brother to me, so your words will be verified, and you shall not die. And so they did. Now, seems like a relief. But the incriminating evidence comes now in verse 21 through 25. In verse 21, we see their corporate guilt. They confess by articulating their specific sin and evil. This is so important. Then they said to one another, they're all in the room. All has gone on. We are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear. They accepted the consequences as the hand of God also. Therefore, This distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, Did I not speak to you saying, Do not sin against the boy? And you would not listen. Joseph knew for the very first time that Reuben was innocent. He's just found out he's the only one that tried to defend him. Notice by the confirmation of the hand of God, Also, he says, therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. The regret is that God is required of him. Where did you hear this word before, required of us, the blood? 
Now remember, the law of Moses hasn't been given yet. You remember Genesis 9.5? After the Noah flood, God told Noah, if a man kills a man, I will require the blood at the hand of every man. Well, Joseph knew for the first time of the horrible guilt they had lived under for 22, 23 years. And now, it crushes him. Because God has been working the heart of Joseph all this time. And he's been being poured from vessel to vessel while his brothers have hardened their heart. The sun that melts the wax equally hardens the clay. It has nothing to do with the sun, but with the material that it shines on. The clear objective of Joseph then was accomplished. Look at verse 24. He saw and he heard evidence to their sorrow and regret, being emotionally moved. And he turned himself away from them and wept. He wept two other times. When he sees his brother Benjamin and when he sees his father come to Egypt. He regained his composure. Then he returned to them again and talked with them. And he selected one to remain in prison. He took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. It must have freaked out. It has been said, no man is rich enough to buy back his past. As a Christian, do you live in fear of the past because you've lied and kept things secret? It happens with Christians. And they're not honest and they live a lie continuously. Hmm. Some people are not as honest as they should be when they enter marriage. And this is probably the most important because we spend the rest of our life married. Hidden things that are not revealed will deteriorate one's relationship with the person or with God. Because honesty and confession is a whole basis of fellowship with God and man. Now, there is a place for personal privacy and discretion, but not when you're entering engagement or you're married. There should be no secrets. If there is, there's not true fellowship. Because while the other person say, oh, honey, I just love you. You're just the best. You know you're a creep. So there's not real fellowship going on. You understand? Living in constant fear, guilt, being afraid of being found out, running into the person, this and that, whatever it is. You fill in the blank. Numbers 32, 23 says, your sin will find you out. The only way to resolve the problem is to confess and demonstrate a heart of repentance that will be evident through time. Generalities will at times be sufficient to clear up the doubt. Specifics are necessary at other times. All of this is to provide credible evidence. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covers his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. You see, the goal is to see restoration, not mere castigation. The evidence of true confession with godly repentance is to receive true and complete forgiveness. That cannot happen unless there's true and complete confession. The basis is grace. 
unmerited favor, not what is fair or what is just. Listen to Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, listen, here's the punchline, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Even as, let me change it, in proportion to the measure that God has forgiven you. Whoa. I am to forgive in the same proportion as God has forgiven me. I am a debtor. Because no one will ever sin against me as much as I have sinned or will sin against God. The sons of Jacob met with the governor of Egypt by the appointment of God to acknowledge their sin. Wow. Notice, then the sons of Jacob returned from Egypt. Boy, they've got a greater burden returning than when they went. The buggy is full and that's heavy. Verse 25 to 8, their guilt was plaguing them. And 25, the command of Joseph to prepare them for the journey was threefold. The grain purchase, then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain. The money they brought with the grain with to restore every man's money in his sack. And the necessary provision. And to give them provisions for the journey. Thus, he did for them. And then you have the execution of the preparation in 26. So they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed from there. The shocking surprise comes in verse 27. But as one of them opened his sack to give his donkey feed at the encampment, he saw his money, and there it was, in the mouth of his sack. The paralyzing news is communicated in verse 28. The finding is shared. So he said to his brother, my money has been restored, and there it is in my sack. Then their hearts failed them, and they were afraid, and rightly so. They said to one another, what is this that God has done to us? Whoa. They've been running all these years. All these things are happening. You've been there? Hmm. They knew they were guilty. And God knew they were guilty. The trip was 260 miles. They would have to think about this all the way back. Their guilt was keeping them from being completely truthful. In verse 29, they returned to their father. Then they went to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, and they told him all that had happened to them. All? I don't think so. Watch. In verse 30, they told him of their treatment. The man who was lord of the land, he spoke rough to us, daddy, and he took us for spies of the country. We sure like to play it up, can we? Verse 31 and 2, they told him about their response to the accusations. First, about their character. But we said to him, we are honest men. We are not spies. No, you're liars. Then about their heritage. We're 12 brothers, son of our father. 
One is no more, and the youngest is with our father this day in the land of Canaan. And then they told him of the governor's demands in 33 to 34. In verse 33, one of them would have to remain. Then the man, the Lord of the country, said to us, By this I will know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me, take food for the famine of your household, and be gone. They didn't tell Jacob about being put in prison at the original meeting, all of them, and to be held until one went and took the food. They made it seem here as if it was their decision. Oh, you know, no big, just, just leave one of your brothers. It's okay. No, no, no. It was a very drastic, it was a crisis. He demanded it. It was not a choice. You see, they're already in hot water with their dad. They've lied to him for 23 years. Do you know there's, there's people that lie to each other for so long, marriages and everything else? It's amazing. One would have to come to Egypt. Verse 34. And bring your youngest brother to me, so I shall know that you are not spies, but that you are honest men. I will grant your brother to you, and you may trade in the land. Now, we never heard anything like that before. We don't know if they're making it up or what, but it wasn't in the original conversation. They did not tell Jacob that they would all die if they didn't bring him back. They've softened things, and we're like that. We have to be real careful because our flesh is very selective. It's very witty, very clever when it comes to present ourselves or our case. They were merely spinning another web by not coming clean with Jacob. And so in verse 35, they went to unload the grain and they were devastated. Each of their money was present. Then it happened as they emptied their sacks that surprisingly each man's bundle of money was in their sack. All of them were petrified. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. Even Jacob at this point says, man, what the heck is going on? Their guilt had caught up with them. Jacob began to suspect something. He accuses them of being responsible for his two sons now. And Jacob, their father, said to them, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. Wow. He, in his consternation, addressed them in great dismay. And you want to take Benjamin? You must be smoking crack. <laughs> he fell into great despair. All these things are against me. Oh, when you're not looking to God. The smallest things, you'll say, all things are against me. It's an exaggeration. You're talking out of your emotions, the circumstance. Instead of looking to God. Actually, you're blaming God for everything to an extent. Reuben, seeing the hopeless despair of his father, attempts to console him with foolish words. This was nervous talk from his guilt. Then Reuben spoke to his father, saying, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back. Oh, that's great. What well, grandfather wants to kill his grandchildren for vengeance? 
This was Reuben's way attempting to make up for his failure with Joseph. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. Jacob was resolved in his decision. Verse 38. He loved his two favorite sons by Rachel more than the others. Listen. But he said, my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he is left alone. He would die if something happened to Benjamin. If any calamity should befall him along the way in which you go, then you would bring down my gray hair with sorrow to the grave to Sheol. You're responsible for Joseph, Simeon. If something happened to Benjamin, then you'd kill me. You're responsible for two already. It would be four. Wow. Pretty heavy words here. A Sunday school teacher once asked the class what was meant by the word repentance. A little boy raised up his hand and said, it is being sorry for your sins. A little girl also raised her hand and says, please, it is being sorry enough to quit. Hmm. The brothers had not yet reached the point of being sorry enough to quit lying and tell the entire truth. The most debilitating thing about guilt is that it destroys all sense of life as God intended it. There is no lasting peace. Isaiah 59, 8 says, The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. When a person is guilty, they're always guarded. <laughs> always guarded. The communication is deceptive because it is selective, purposely. The communication will sooner or later betray them by the contradictions and the truth revealed. Proverbs 18.7 says, The fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and curses. My brother, these things ought not to be so. Does the spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. James 3.20 through 23. It's inconsistent. It's an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. The sons of Jacob returned from Egypt under the conviction of God for their sins. And so the decision of Jacob to seek relief from the famine by sending his sons to Egypt to buy grain, as it unfolds in this threefold movement, really gives us incredible practical situations and applications for life. And so often people say, well, the Old Testament is not relevant. Not relevant. The Old Testament is sometimes more relevant than the New Testament when it comes to application and personal life. The sons of Jacob were sent to Egypt by God to face their sin. The sons of Jacob met with the governor of Egypt by the appointment of God to acknowledge their sin. And the sons of Jacob returned from Egypt under the conviction of God for their sin. You think God's at work here? You think there's any application in here? 
Listen, they were hungry, but they were guilty too. A lot of people are hungry, but they're not fed because of their guilt. Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder that sin may seem like the best solution, but it never satisfies your deepest needs. Now you can pick up today's lesson, Hungry But Guilty. It's available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what was shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Hungry But Guilty. Or simply mention today's date. Now you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it helps us when you tell us the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This also helps us to monitor this outreach in your area. Is it possible for your problems to overwhelm even God? The answer is coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com